Well, amen. If you will turn your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10 is where we are going to be this morning. Our text today is the story of God calling Timothy to join Paul and Silas and God giving them guidance as they began what we now call Paul's second missionary journey. As most of you know, Amanda and I have a precious three-year-old daughter, Lila, and a six-month-old son, Joshua. And our three-year-old is in that phase of wanting to do just about everything by herself. Do you know what I mean, parents? We're letting out a collective sigh together. Just this week, honestly, Wednesday night, it was bath time, and she said, I want to take me a bath, which, of course, means that she wants to do it all by herself. (laughs) So I said, okay, prayed for a little bit of patience and attempted to just give her directions instead of doing it all for her. See, the bath started with her uh, dipping the rag in the bath and kind of rubbing it, you know, kind of on her like this, trying to uh, scrub herself. She's not in the bath yet. Did I say that? right? She's she's still still outside of the bath, right? So if that's any indication on how the rest of it went, um, yeah, that's a pretty good indication, right? We eventually made it into the bath with much tears uh, because, of course, she wanted to take a bath outside of the bath. So from washing her hair to, to everything else, I just said, you know what? Let me try to guide her, right? One unexpected result was about halfway through, I had just kind of resting my chin on the tub, feeling defeated, dejected with the dirty daughter in the bathtub. Uh, She just turned and and as sweet as she could possibly be said, Daddy, I love you, right? But um, hey, but don't be fooled. The night ended with, of course, everything by herself, right? So even brushing her teeth. Um, I turned my head for like two seconds and the toothbrush went in the drain faucet sink part, like bristles down all the way down. I just turned around and it was already down there. And so that's, that's about how the night went, right? Hey, receiving, receiving directions from someone else is part of life, part of growing up. And for us as believers, receiving guidance from the Lord should be part of our normal lives as well. Our story picks up where Dr. Reggie left us off last week. Remember, we saw Paul and Barnabas split in chapter 15. They split over Mark, remember? They wanted to go back and and visit the churches that they had previously visited in their missionary journeys. Barnabas wanted to take Mark, but Paul didn't because he had previously deserted them. And they ended up splitting up over it. Barnabas took Mark and went southwest to the island of Cyprus. And Paul and Silas went north and then went west to some of the regions to which they had previously traveled. So we're following, we're following Paul and Silas as we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 16. And, and I believe what we're going to see over the course of, of reading God's word this morning is that God was providing people to accomplish his mission. And he was guiding them where they would have the greatest gospel impact Or another way to say it, God called them from the fold and guided them as they go. God called them from the fold and guided them as they go. Let's read verses 1 through 5 of Acts 16 this morning. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. 
And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Let's pray together over the reading of God's word. Father, we thank you again for this time that you have given us. God, we look forward to all that you are going to say to us this morning. God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that you will open our eyes to see, open our minds to understand, and open our hearts to you. We give this morning to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, is God is calling people to his mission. God is calling people to his mission. Verse one says that they were traveling back to Derby and Lystra, and it's, and it's easy to just read over those cities and not realize the significance of that statement. See, on their first missionary journey to that region, which was recorded in chapter 14, some of the Jews came down to those cities, and it said, persuaded the multitudes to stone Paul. The Bible says that in these cities, they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city because they thought that they had killed him. They thought that they accomplished the task. But the Bible says also in chapter 14 that when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went back into the city to preach the gospel and make disciples. So I say that because it's worth noting that this is not a pleasant region. They attempted to kill him here. As a matter of fact, they thought that he did, but he still returned to encourage the disciples in those cities. May God give us that same strength and courage, amen? It's in this region that they pick up another significant character in the story of Acts, and that is Timothy. We know from this passage that he was a disciple, so he was a believer. He also had a very good reputation in this area. His father was a Greek, it says in the text, which means he was an unbeliever. And 2 Timothy adds that his mother and grandmother were also believers, but they were Jews who had converted during the faith, most likely during Paul's first missionary journey to that region. Paul took special interest in Timothy and wanted to bring him along. Now, now at this point in the text, we see Paul do something that may seem strange or it may seem contradictory. Paul chooses to circumcise Timothy. Now, I just want to say real quick, if you remember two weeks ago, Dr. Reggie stood up here and talked about me preaching about this, and, and he talked about me preaching heresy. Now, I think this is a setup, okay? I think this is a setup just between us, okay? Um, he knew what I was going to preach, all right? He assigned it to me. All right, I, need, I need some people on my side, all right? I need some people on my side. Where's Dwight? He's got to be at odds or something, right? Dwight, are you on my team? Okay, thank you. All right, appreciate it. This is one of those texts that, that may seem contradictory at first, but once you dig and once you look at the context and do some text comparison, it makes perfect sense. And notice the key detail that Dr. Luke adds here. He says, because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So let's get to the point of it. 
Circumcision does not matter in terms of one's salvation. They had just decided that at the Jerusalem council, literally days probably before this happened. Remember that when they say circumcision, they're not talking about just a surgical procedure. They're talking about the keeping of the entire Jewish law. They had already decided or more accurately realized that someone does not have to become Jewish to become a Christ follower. No one should ever be expected to assimilate to a culture before or after salvation. Wherever you go on the globe, culture is different. But church, the gospel never changes. Anyone can call out at any time and repent of their sin, submit their life to Jesus, and they are saved. I love how Acts 4.12 says it. It says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. No one can be saved by a religion. No one can be saved by a culture, a list of right or wrongs. No one can be saved unless they call on the name of Jesus. So back to the question, why did Paul choose to circumcise Timothy? Paul knew that if Timothy remained uncircumcised, that it would continuously be a stumbling block to the Jews. He knew that it would come up over and over and over again. And technically, since it says specifically that Timothy's mother was a Jew, she was supposed to have had it done at birth. So this is something that would have continuously been a distraction to the Jews hearing the gospel. He knows that that he's free in Christ to have the procedure done if he wants to, so he does it. Maybe remembering what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church will add a little bit more clarity. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 22. You can just listen to me read it this morning. Paul writes, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew so that I could win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as one under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those without the law, I became as one without the law, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak so that I could win them. I have become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. Does that give more clarity to our text today? Paul wanted to help Timothy remove anything that may prevent someone from hearing and responding to the gospel. That should lead each of us to consider today, what things are there in our lives that that may be interfering with our proclamation of the gospel? I believe we should all take a good, hard look at ourselves and honestly ask the question, is there anything that I do? Is there anything that I say? Is there anything that I post on social media? Is there any part of my culture? Is there any part of my life that would be a distraction for someone hearing the gospel from me? And if the answer is yes, let's take care of that this morning. Now, let's look at some things that we don't do that we should. If you have certain people in your life who God has called you to reach, what would it take for you to be able to engage them more effectively? Remember, the whole purpose of having this procedure done was so that Timothy could better reach the Jews. Maybe it's helping coach T-ball or or dance or, or volunteering at school. 
Maybe it's learning a skill or picking up a hobby so that you can spend more time with the lost people who you are trying to reach. Short of sin, you and I should be doing everything within our means to build relationships with the people around us for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Whether it's something we need to stop doing or something we need to start doing, let's all ask God to help us how to better engage more effectively. Verses four and five say they went through the cities, delivered the message that they had decided at the Jerusalem council and the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. We'll find as we read through Acts that Luke repeats this phrase often. He's reiterating the main theme of the book, which is stated in Acts 1 verse 8, that the apostles would receive power from the Holy Spirit as they take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so Luke adds these clarifications. He's, he's indicating the results. And what are those results? <laughs> People are being saved and the saints are being built up. As we go out, as we make disciples here in Ruston and abroad, as we are faithful to do what God has called us to do, he will bring the increase. He alone can strengthen the church. Let's do what you and I can do, what we are called to do, and let God do what only he can do. I have two quick side points from this section before I move on to the remaining verses. One, I believe God is still calling people to the mission. I believe God is still calling people to his mission today. First of all, let me say this. I believe that God's will for most of us is to work in our jobs to work in our families and the, the places in which he has placed us and to view them, to view those places as our primary mission field and minister in that context first and foremost. Make disciples in that area. That's our mission. But I do believe very firmly that God still calls men and women to full-time ministry and missionary service. Timothy was one of those people I am one of those people. Your pastor and our ministry staff are those people who feel called by God into full-time ministry. I would imagine that there are men and women maybe in here today or listening later who feel like God is calling them into ministry. And if I can just speak to you for a second, you will never be satisfied. You will never be fulfilled until you fully surrender to God and his will for your life. It doesn't always make sense. I can attest to that. You won't always know the details. There will be questions that go unanswered, but we must be obedient. The second point from this section that I'll make before moving on, I wanna wanna highlight this special relationship between Paul and Timothy. See, Paul intentionally took Timothy under his wing and discipled or mentored him. In the books that Paul wrote to him, right, First and Second Timothy, Paul calls him his true son in the faith or his beloved son. Paul recognized the blessing of God on Timothy's life, and he was intentional about investing in the next generation. To those who are more mature in the faith this morning, I ask you, you, you are Paul in this scenario. Who is your Timothy? Who in the next generation are you intentionally investing in? Who in the next generation are you intentionally sharing your life with, sharing your stories, the stories about how God has been faithful to you? And who are you sharing your faith with in the next generation? 
Now, I know that I personally have been greatly encouraged by some older men who have invested in me and discipled me whenever I just kind of came out of college. I I was so indebted to them. So to my older brothers and sisters, I I wonder what would happen if you prayed about God bringing a, a Timothy into your life. To those who are younger in the faith, you and I need to pray for God to bring mentors like these in our lives. No matter what we think, no matter what we feel, we desperately need and we want people to invest in us. So just to recap, point number one, God is calling people to his mission or God calls them from the fold or the fellowship if you prefer that. Point number two is this, God is providing guidance for the mission. God is providing guidance for the mission. God guides them as they go. What we see in these next few verses is God directing Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And he directs them by by saying yes and by saying no. Or you could say by opening and closing doors. Let's read verses 6 through 8. Now, when they had gone through, the, through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Asia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Asia, they came down to Troas. These verses demonstrate God's guidance through a series of no's. From, from where they were, they tried to go west into Asia, okay, which is modern-day uh, Midwestern Turkey. They tried to go west, but the Spirit forbid them, so they turned and went north. They tried to keep going north into another region called Bithynia. But again, it says the Spirit did not permit them, so they went west. They stayed in the northern region along the coast of Asia, and they came to the coastal city of Troas. We don't know exactly how the Spirit guided them. Was it a, was it a vision? Was it a voice? Or, or just a circumstance or a general, general unsettling in their hearts? We don't know that. All we know is that they tried to go in those directions, but God sovereignly directed them elsewhere. When we set out to follow God, we have to follow Him one step at a time. Sometimes we make plans, even with the best of intentions, and God says what? No. Has he guided you like this before? I I know that he has for for Amanda and I. When we started to feel like God was calling us out of our previous ministry context, we pursued several options, great options, areas and, and ministries where God was clearly working. But over the course of time, God's answer was a clear no. For, for us, that was, um, you know, maybe a, a bad timing or, or just a, usually just a general uneasy, you know, that uneasiness, that icky feeling that God gives you, that, that uneasiness in our spirit, knowing that he was directing us elsewhere. I believe this with all my heart. Hear me say this. When God is guiding us, his no now is always for a better yes later. I'm going to say that again. When God is guiding us, his no now is always for a better yes later. And I don't mean this in a weird health and wealth type way. Don't get weird on me today, all right? I'm talking about gospel impact. Maybe you're in the middle of receiving a no and you are very discouraged this morning. Could be a no from a job application or a failed relationship. 
college application or promotion, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Being in the waiting is, is difficult, it's frustrating, and it's testing. We take comfort because we know that our God is with us and he will take care of us and he'll place us where he wants us to be in his timing. We have to come to him with open hands and say, God, I surrender. Take me and put me where you want me to be. So God guides by saying no, but he also guides by saying yes. Verse nine, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood pleading with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought out to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Remember, God's no now is always for a better yes later. After wandering around Asia and coming to Troas, I'm sure they were a bit discouraged. In the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, Paul sees a vision of a man from Macedonia, which is a region across the Aegean Sea. This man is saying, come and help us. Come, encourage us. Come, assist us in carrying the gospel out in our area. I love what the text says. He says, immediately they got up and went to Macedonia. Not in the morning when they woke up, not in the next couple of days, no, Immediately, in the middle of the night, they got up and began their route across the sea to Macedonia. Maybe you've heard this phrase before, delayed obedience is what? Disobedience. I, I know this urgency to be true in my life. When God speaks and makes his will clear, there's something in me that says, let's go now. I don't wanna wait, let's go now. God expects his children to obey him when he guides us. How has God been speaking to you lately? How is God speaking to you now? In, in what area of our lives is God giving us clear direction? Won't you respond to him in obedience today? You see, the difficult part is we can't always see on the other side of our obedience. That's where faith comes in. Paul, Silas, Timothy, and now actually Luke, notice how the pronouns change to we and us. Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, they didn't know how God would use them in this region of Macedonia. But here's a couple of the cities that they would visit. See if any of these ring a bell. Are you ready? Philippi, where we get the book of? Thessalonica, where we get the book of? First and second Thessalonians. Athens, Greece. Corinth, the book of Corinthians. They eventually sail back across the sea to Ephesus where we get the book of Ephesians. Do you see it now? That not only did they plant churches in these regions, but Paul would eventually write letters back to some of them encouraging them from which we now compose our New Testament. Not only were these cities, uh, not only that, but these cities were epicenters of culture. What they did echoed around the world. I would go as far as to say, because they were obedient and followed God's guidance, you and I are sitting here today changed by the gospel. Church, God's no now is always for a better yes later. God guided them where they would have the greatest gospel impact. I believe that all of us as a church in some capacity are called to be a part of God's mission 
of making disciples of all nations. All of us are called to participate in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit, whether that's a short-term or a long-term involvement. We are all called to participate, and it is the most exciting and the most humbling thing that could ever happen in our lives. See, the book of Acts ended in chapter 28 with Paul being in Rome, the end of the earth as they knew it at that time. But the story of Acts is far from over. It is not over until Jesus comes back riding in the clouds on a white horse. You and I are filled with the same Holy Spirit, and we have the same mission today. Church, we need to realize that there are people all over our nation, all over the globe, calling out and saying, come help us. Come bring the gospel to us. There are people in Boston. There are people in Canada, in Chicago, in San Francisco, in Rome, in India, in Asia, and in Russia, believers from all over the nation and all over the world are in need of help. If you have breath in your lungs and you are part of the fellowship of God, the question isn't if God is calling you. The question is, how are you going to participate? I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that is committed to this mission committed to making disciples and taking the gospel to the lost regions of our nation and the world. We're sending out college students to spend their whole summer in these regions. I was one of those students about 10 years ago. Pray for them. We're sending teams of students all over the nation and all over the globe. Many of you participate by going. Some of you participate by giving so that others can go. Many of you pray faithfully while the teams are out. The main point of our text is just as true today as it ever was. God calls us from the fold and guides us as we go. God is raising up people from our fellowship to participate in his mission, and he is guiding them to cities, areas, regions, where they will have great gospel impact. I want to say two things very quickly. One, God does not have to move you away for you to live on mission. I believe that if you are sitting here today or you, and you are living in this area, you didn't just, you're not just here by chance. God has sovereignly placed you here in this moment of time to reach out to the people that are around us, to make disciples, to share the gospel faithfully in all avenues of life, in our jobs, in our families, and to pursue his mission here in Ruston and the surrounding areas. So God doesn't have to call you away for you to step up and be obedient to following his mission. Does that make sense? If you are here, you are called to Ruston. Be obedient to him. The second reason you, you may not be living on mission is because maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus. I want to share with you a couple things. Romans 3 chapter 1 tells us that no one is righteous. No, not one. See, righteousness by, by our standards is different than righteousness by God's standards. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus said, I'm the way, truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the message that we take, church. This is the gospel that we proclaim. And if you're here today and you don't know about where you stand with Jesus, you need to settle this today. I've asked a lot of questions along the way today, so I'll end with these as we move to a time of invitation. What step of obedience is God asking you to take today? How is God calling you to trust him today? During this time of invitation, won't you come to him with open hands and say, God, here I am. Use me as you see fit. Let's pray together and you respond as God is calling. Father, we thank you again for these moments that we have. Father, we know that you are moving. We know that you are working. We believe that every time our word, your word is open, that your Holy Spirit moves by the power or moves in power, God. And I just pray that, that right now you would allow there to be no distractions, God. I pray that we would all respond to you as you are calling us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.